0: this week on a very special NEPA scene podcast (laughs) and then you right (laughs) (laughs) just just fucking talk
1: So, uh welcome to uh, a special episode of the NEPA scene podcast. A uh, very special NEPA. A very scene special episode. It's a, I guess uh, the holiday special, if you will. Yeah. Uh, not not
0: not can be, f- can be f- confused with Star Wars.
1: Please not to be confused with the Star Wars holiday special. Uh I hope this podcast will not be as disastrous as that.
2: 24 hours away. Oh man. So you had a Star Wars podcast and it was disastrous? <laughs> no, the the Star Wars Holiday
0: Special. And what was that,
2: 78? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was awful. Yeah. Yes.
0: It was awfully good now. At the time, it was shit. But now people look with it and with, with great reverence. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: We did have a Star Wars episode, though. It was pretty good. Nice. We're, gonna, we're probably going to do a follow-up when The Force Awakens comes yeah. out. So that'll be cool. So I guess we'll consider this episode 43. Why not? Uh so we're we're with the stud at twenty five eight studios in Scranton with uh Tom May. Hello. Thank you so much for uh for coming on. He, hey. he literally got right off the bus and came right here. I so did. we really appreciate that. Hey.
0: Hey, was thanks,
2: it a Colts man. bus? Uh it was Mart's bus. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> it's Colts. wait, Colts is only local, right? Yeah, I haven't ridden oh, Colts. Have it actually stands for County of Lackawanna Transportation System, I think. Yeah.
0: I thought it was just a horse.
2: Yeah, so did I forever, and then a couple years ago, it just kind of clicked. I think I saw it written down somewhere. I was like, "Wow, really?" Yeah, I'm also the guy who thinks "Dare"
0: stands for drugs are really expensive, <laughs> <laughs> which is what I thought. <laughs> They're trying. They just. They just tried they were to just, drive that were, home. Yeah, they were trying to make sure I didn't do any oh, drugs D.A.R. because I
2: thought it was going to cost me money, and it was just a foolish spend. Did you see what the uh, guy from the uh, the director of the Office of National Drug Control Policy was saying on Sixty Minutes? No. yesterday or the day before. What did he no, say? He was just talking about how the drug war has been an ultimate failure. And oh, it's the, epic. Yeah, and but he's the, you know the guy in charge of the policy is now recognizing that it's pretty pretty cool. Thought that was exciting. But what does he do? He how does he fix it? He well he could stop you know change where money goes. He could be like, all right, we well, can't spend money on busting people for for pot. You can spend money on rehabilitating people for heroin. How about like kind of that kind of stuff? Do you think that 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 that's not to fuck your music
0: do you, <laughs> do you think that that what do you think about the drug the
2: drug war if we're getting into it? I think it's absurd I think that the uh uh the the uh, well, personally, my personal political views I can't account for everybody in the in the band or anything like that. But no, you, know, you don't sure speak, all, for, you
0: speak for you. Yeah, I speak for yeah.
2: me. I can speak for me. The um I think that the prohibition of of most anything uh, along like the control of your own consciousness is just ridiculous in itself. And oh, I never thought about it that way. Yeah, just really silly, really silly notion to be able to tell a bunch of people that they can't change the way that they're looking at the world at that time. You know? Uh Do you think it's
0: tantamount to like somebody who like plays Call of Duty a lot? In what way? Like, in other words, like people who like overindulge in substances.
2: You know, yeah. I mean, that's, I think that that's a thing. That's an issue, but it's not, you know, a reason to be knocking down people's doors with automatic machine Unless guns you're getting
0: swatted. Right. Oh, I just found <laughs> out what difference. that was recently. Oh, you didn't know what that was? No, I
2: had no idea. Some kid just went to jail for like 30 years for doing that. <laughs> Wow. Like this poor kid sitting right, in his please. mom's basement. So if you're if you're listening and you don't know what SWATting is, tell me if I'm wrong. It's basically you get you you call the police with a fake situation that would require a SWAT team, like a, a hostage or something, and you just have them go to a right like a normal house, like a
0: no no like another gamer's house.
2: Oh, it's like video game people.
0: Oh, it's, it's totally yeah, video game okay. people.
2: Because then usually they
1: they're on a webcam and you can watch it happen. Wow. So they, people actually you get entertainment
0: this- out of this. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. That is scary. It's awesome. <laughs> oh, Rich, I forgot to turn on the GoPro.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just pop in.
2: All right, do it now. Yeah, there
0: you go. yeah, I'm gonna do it now. But yeah, so what they do is is like um douche gamer one mm-hmm. will call in a SWAT on the guy he's playing because you can live video whatever now. And and everybody in the the quote unquote party will now watch this guy get taken down by the SWAT team. Wow. That's weird. I wonder if people ever get shot by accident and no, there's videos on YouTube that'll blow your mind. Wow. And there's one I saw one where one guy's sitting there and he's he's like got his headphones on and everything and he hear and it's like oh hears like boom. And he's like what and he turns around and he's like I think I'm getting swatted. Wow. And like you can hear him say it and then the SWAT team kicks down the door and he like as soon as like the door he puts his hands up and he's like I know, I know and then he wow. Lays down. That's wild.
1: It's sad that it's become that normal (laughs) that he's just like, all right, I'm going to go through the motions
0: now. Mm -hmm. Somebody would be that desensitized. Yeah, that's like me sitting home playing like Parappa the Rappa and then then just getting (laughs) tuned up by guys with beanbag guns. (laughs) So, all right.
1: So, we'll, we'll, (laughs) we'll We'll forego the, the the first part of the show where we uh, talk about what's on the site because we just did that a couple of days ago with our uh, episode with uh, Bobby Barnett from uh, Captain We're Sinking. So uh, please check out that episode. It uh, turned out really well. And uh, I also want to mention uh, before we get into it, uh, we do have a sponsor uh, for the site. and uh, For the... Yeah, so we want to mention them on the podcast. And give you got a sponsor? Shout out. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Beer Boys, uh, they're a uh, Wilkes-Barre bar and restaurant. Uh, They feature the area's uh, largest draft selection with uh, 72 beers on tap. They have a uh, thing coming up, uh, 16 years in business uh, they're going to be celebrating. So they're bringing in 16 uh, sought-after beers from Founders Brewing Company. Uh, They're doing a party on Sunday, January 24th at 2 p.m., uh, the highlight is that they're actually going to have uh, Founders Kentucky Breakfast Stout on draft. Which- what does that mean? Oh, this stuff is amazing.
0: Uh, this stuff is it at- tastes like eggs and ham. And-
1: <laughs> no, it's just that heavy of a of a beer
0: that it- you could drink. You you could have it for breakfast. You could probably and feel have better it for about bre- it. Yes, yes, you
1: could. It's fantastic. It's eleven point two percent.
0: Um, it was <laughs> In all my years of drinking. I have never been like hmm. Breakfast beer. (laughs) Well, now you can. (laughs) And I'm Irish and German, so I should have said that at some point. Right. But I never did. You you did not. I would rather just have pancakes. Well,
1: according to RateBeer.com, it's the best beer in America. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. And uh, Uh, who makes it? Rated that in 2014. Uh, Founders. No, Founders. I've definitely had Founders regular
0: breakfast style before. It's awesome. Yeah,
2: it's amazing.
0: It's it's really good. So wait, they actually have like a breakfast... It's called a breakfast yeah, beer. Yeah, yeah. If
2: you like, if stouts normally they they look so heavy. They're usually uh, lower um, in calories than the other beers. Like a little bit lighter body. Drink a lot more of them. I'm, stouts are my favorite beers. Love them. But yeah, you know, Founder's Breakfast Stout. I'm known to have a couple of those for breakfast once in a while. I'm
1: the just right a day.
2: Miller Light guy. He
1: is in a band. I mean, come on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but he's but I I just never you know my whole idea of rock and roll. Right, it's like a you know twelve cases of Budweiser and Jack Daniels. It's not like <laughs> you know where your palate matters. <laughs> right, I was it was just, I was just so used to like. Do you remember, what, what what year did you graduate? Uh, I graduated high school in two thousand five from from Westside? Uh No, from Scranton High School. From Scranton. Mm-hmm. Do Do you remember? Um, like there was always like the shitty beers like the and I'm not saying like Keystone light is shitty. I mean, it's pretty shitty, right. but like four in you're like, this is
2: delicious. oh yeah, of course. I mean, you didn't you know, you weren't lot I always to thought the bar, I had so a struggle to, to get to there, yeah, that's to get what to I thought four up yeah to get to four of them and be like, I feel I feel this is the champagne of everything. yeah, I think half of it's everybody egging you on and egging each other on, you know that's the whole like <laughs> the whole thing. and I, I did that guess. once with a case of Meister brow. I don't not I've never heard of it. <laughs>
1: I'm just like I, I think the name really says it all actually. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, like we were when somebody showed up and they're like and I they brought just, a case of Meister We're like what is that? And the first like two were disgusting and then 3 or 4 ge- into it you're like it great. seems like they
2: they flipped it around even though if the Germans might not flip it around wouldn't it be Brewmeister <laughs> in German? Like, nope, it was Meister They just switched it, make it snap. I will I will you google it. That's really funny. <laughs> all right, so sponsor <laughs>
1: Well, uh, check them out on uh, January 24th. Uh, it's a Sunday. Uh, they're at 176 uh, North Washington Street in uh, Wilkes-Barre. Uh, they'll have uh, 16 different really great beers on tap. And uh, as a Founders fan, I can highly recommend it myself. Uh, so check that out. And um, since we're on the subject of beer... Hold uh, on one second. Sure.
2: Oh, wow! He showed me a picture of the Meisterbrau can it looks uh it looks it would fit really well in a movie from like nineteen eighty two that they'd be drinking in the garage <laughs> it's uh yeah. It looks like it would do some damage. At
0: least I know I'm not lying. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Now speaking of beer. Speaking of beer. So, do you
1: are you guys uh, a party band on the road, or are you guys like by this point into your careers, you're like, you know, I'd rather a a soft bed.
2: Well, we're we're a party band. Uh, I mean, I would always rather a soft bed, but we're definitely a party band in the sense that we really like to have a, a good time. We don't need to blast through you know, a case of beer each to have a good time. But, uh, <laughs> sure. We don't even need to blast through a lot of alcohol to have a good time, but we definitely are always looking for something fun to do and to keep things lively and to see what, uh, the weird places that we end up in have to offer. Uh, one of the funny parts about being in a band that, like you mentioned before, you picture 12 cases of Budweiser or whatever, is you're in a town, a different town every day. So you're, you're playing a show with people, um, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and you'll be in a town where you have lots of friends, like say Chicago, and you'll be like, "All right, well, I'm with Chicago. I'm going to see so many people that I only get to see twice a year that my close friends. We're gonna we're gonna party. We're gonna go, you know, nuts." And you do. And then you'll play uh, a town that you don't necessarily go to very often. Or, or even sometimes you will be in the Chicago and it'll be this case. But people think that you party every day. and I mean, you can't, you know? So <laughs> it could be just a Wednesday where you're going to play a show. And you're like, yeah, no, what are you guys doing after the show, man? We're going to rage. We're going to the strip club. And you're like, well, I'm going to go to bed at midnight. <laughs> I'm going to order gonna room service fantastic. and uh, a movie mm-hmm. on demand. Yeah, I'm going to make some tea and read a book and go to sleep. It's a freaking Wednesday. Leave me alone. Yeah, exactly. It's just uh, – and uh, sometimes it feels bad because people – Definitely try to look at you in a band as a, some kind of vicarious outlet for them. So they're like, if you find out that you're not partying, sometimes once in a while they'll get upset. They'll be like, but I thought you guys were like right. in a fucking band, man. Do you get like the disappointment, like the, oh? No, it's more like, a, like you know, fuck you. Well, they're drunk if they're disappointed in showing it. So they'll be like, oh, <laughs> you know, like, oh, it's bullshit, man. Let me buy your drink. And I'm like, well, I'm not drinking today. No, I got to buy you a drink. How about I take it? So and, like, sometimes I do buy you a drink. Isn't that amazing? It. Yeah,
0: it's great. <laughs>
2: How about if I buy me a drink? How about and you're if like, I All right, buy you a drink and
0: then I drink it? And it's like, yeah, sure. All right. Can I film this? <laughs> I want to make sure I can see this. Buy yourself another one.
2: Yeah. <laughs> now, you guys have your own beer now. Uh, we do. We did. Uh, we brewed an Imperial Kolsch with the Chamonix Creek Brewing Company called Menzinger. Um, it was a high... A B V. It was uh really you know, it had a high A B V and it was hoppy, but it wasn't too bitter. It was just it was delicious. It was really good. We had a, a lot of fun at the release party for it. Greg and I played acoustic and Eric and Joe were guest bartending and it got we went out went through wait, one wait, wait. the guys in the band were guest bartending? Yeah, the uh, the bass uh bass player and drummer, Eric and Joe. <laughs> and they uh yeah, it was great. I mean, it got real messy and <laughs> My girlfriend was not that happy with me that night or the next the entire next 24 hours but <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was uh, it was a lot of fun we're not sure if we're going to continue to make it in the future but we did do a small run of it Well, the first keg went out in 24 minutes we ran out so wow, how many cool. kegs did you make you know I don't know the exact number I have to check. Uh, I forget what it is. I know they have some like they have, that's like hidden somewhere in the brewery. The guys from the brewery, it's a really really cool brewery. The guys, um, where are they based out of? They're based out of Croydon. They're based out of Philly. It's like Croydon, Pennsylvania, which is right outside. They grew up in uh, it's like Bucks County. They Jeremy from um, Neshaminy Creek ran. He owns and runs jumpstart records so they you know put out a bunch of bands records and we've known him for 10 years playing shows with their old band giving chase and coming up and he would always show up at shows with homebrew beer and then one day he's like yeah i'm starting a brewery and that's uh my <laughs> not a good impression Jeremy has like a raspy voice he's a really strong personality and a really 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 cool person um and he's like yeah i'm starting to fuck a brewery man it's gonna be great and then two years later it's huge it's awesome so cool Really? Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. You get their beer all over Philly now. It's really, they make some really cool beers, too. It's amazing to have that one guy who's like, I'm going to go to the moon. And you're like, nah, probably not. And then all of a sudden, he's like, I plant this flag for America. And yeah. you're like,
0: holy shit, that
1: guy did it. Yeah, you know?
2: Jeremy's the kind of guy who just, he gets it done, man. He always has. It's great. And then he hired, you know, all of the people that worked at Jumpstart. And he hired... Uh, our really good friend Eric Jensen, uh, you know, left a a, a a more corporate job to work there, and it's just like a the the whole punk rock ethos of the entire thing has been transferred over to that, and it's really cool to watch him <laughs> grow. Like that's like punk rock and science. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Dude, they installed. They were showing me they installed this uh, uh, liquid cooling system to keep everything cold, and then it's just like, yeah, one guy's an engineer, so we did that, and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. It uh, looks like Star Trek Into Darkness. What are we doing here? Right. So where did so you grew so you're born and born and bred here? Uh, yeah, I was born in down in uh, Philadelphia and lived there for you know, I was I can't remember I was too young, uh, a couple of years. Then my family moved here. Both my parents are from Music, and lived in Southside for a couple of years, and then moved to West Side. And whereabouts in Westside? Side? Uh, Without right, giving the address away, uh, uh, right above Kaiser Avenue. Oh, really? Yeah. I live uh, right by St. Anne Street on Cornell. No, no way. Oh yeah. Did you go, wait, wait, wait did you go to Westside for, for middle school? Yeah, I went to Western Intermediate. Did you really? Yeah, I went to Western Intermediate and then my mom got a job teaching. I went to John Marshall Elementary and then Western Intermediate. And then my mom got a job teaching in a Catholic school, so I went there for ninth and 10th grade and I wasn't working out, so I went to Scranton for 11th and 12th. Did you take gym at Western Intermediate? Yeah, I took gym at Western Intermediate. Who was your favorite gym teacher? Oh, man. I don't remember. My mom teaches gym over at West. Really? Canadian. What's her, what's her, what's her name? What's her last name? Mrs. Dennebom. Mrs. Den. Oh, I know, I know. Your mom's Mrs. Dennebom? Yeah. She taught me French too. She didn't know it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do, she do was, know great. French French was great. Mrs. Dennebom was great. Yeah. More than from, just from talking to French Canadians than. <laughs>
0: than my mother?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. She's, she's, uh, she's tough. Yeah. No, yeah. she was great, man. I remember uh, uh her being a positive influence on on our life while we were there. No way. Yeah, definitely.
0: My mom. Yeah, Ms. Dadabom. One of the two people in the world that have knocked me unconscious. Hey.
2: Maybe maybe you deserved it. I
0: don't know. No, I totally did. <laughs> no, no, no.
2: There's no there's no denying the fact. <laughs> yeah,
0: definitely. <laughs> I didn't do homework once and she came up and street fightered me. Wow. She went like ah, Dukin. And oh, I shit. flipped off the bed and I was out cold. My dad's uh-huh. like, What did you do? And my mom goes, He lied. <laughs> <laughs> and then we all and then I you know I came to consciousness and then we all kind of agreed did you do your homework I did not do my homework yeah better work on your tiger uppercut mm. I can't do it no no look at me <laughs> I, I walk up the front stairs of this place and I need to take a moment <laughs> <laughs> so when did when the music start I know you got questions and I don't want to no, fucking no. don't want to be Go that guy you got, you're just like drinking just chilling. <laughs> I'm having coffee mm-hmm. so when did you when did you start playing
2: I started playing a uh, man. I, I have an aunt and an uncle that are really into mu- music, and they were always singing stuff at family events. And I'm trying to think of. I got my aunt let me borrow her guitar indefinitely as a Fender Lebre acoustic. That my brother still has. I think. Excuse me. That my brother still has. Just uh, Just like. Just like. You can borrow this. Yeah, I think she'd let me borrow it. I wanted a drum set. My parents were like, oh, "I don't know. You know we're not going to just buy a drum set." You know. <laughs> but I took piano lessons for a little bit and didn't really practice much, but definitely learned a lot and was good for a little bit, and then kind of became disinterested. And then I had uh, at uh, I started to play violin at John Marshall, and that kind of really kicked things. Actually, that was where, that was at the same time. So I'm telling. I'm looking at my life story, in not sequential order. Do you want to lay on the couch and just talk? I'll just about talk, your talk life? about my life. Yeah, <laughs> I, could, I could just lay that. Yeah. Tell me about yeah, your, your, learning, your childhood. Uh, yeah, learning violin definitely set it up, and then playing violin at Western Media and Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Lots, who's actually Karen from uh, Karen Lots. She is Kylie from Pedal's mom. So one oh, of the, okay. Yeah, she's a really, really <laughs> cool human being. Was kind of an early, really early influence. So you're you started you basically started on violin. I started on violin, yeah, and f- whenever fourth grade or fifth grade. And when did you pick up the guitar? I was probably thirteen, fourteen, maybe. It's so like seventh grade. So you
0: had a couple, sixth grade. You, you had a couple of years of violin?
2: Yeah, a couple of years of violin. And then I could still play violin, not very well. I so I stopped playing violin, played violin in middle school, and then picked it up again in twelfth grade, I think. Really? Yeah. And then didn't pick it up after and didn't continue to play. But do you have a violin? No, I don't. But every time I see one, I'm gonna get real obnoxious real fast. <laughs> <laughs> mm mm-hmm. Well, the, the big thing with uh,
1: bands now is to uh, add an orchestra behind them. So maybe at some point. You maybe you yeah, back
2: to just go in and lay down 50 tracks of Island.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the new Menzinger's
2: album composed by John Williams. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> that'd be really cool. <laughs> Are you a Star Wars guy? I, I, I Yeah, as much as anybody. For sure. I really like Star Wars. I can't wait to see the, uh, the new one. I've been avoiding spoilers uh, all over Reddit and stuff all day, like the plague. I still haven't seen. All I saw was it was good. Yeah,
1: that's all I've seen. Yeah, I'm trying see to stay There's a like
2: Chrome him? extension that you can add uh, on that would. Block Are you shit? Wait, there's a really? Yeah, there's a Chrome extension you can download <laughs> and add that'll block uh, Star Wars spoilers. I think there's one for Trump too. So I, I might need to add both. I would imagine you can just
0: probably one block them
1: out of your feed completely. Yeah.
0: I don't know if I want to. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, I do. I'm done. The guys, the, the, the entertainment see. value is out the window now. It's you think you know,
0: so? Yeah, it's not. Funny. I haven't been paying attention. In it's the last not funny anymore.
1: When, when 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 masses start agreeing with them, then I'm like, all right, I'm out.
0: Are you are you political at all?
2: Uh very much so. Yeah. Are you really? Yeah. Where do you Where do you stand on on this on the 2016 election? Yeah, I think it's too early to be talking about it as much as we're all talking about it. I That's agree. True. Um, I think isn't
0: isn't it in like Canada and England? It's like all right, we have three weeks. Uh, I don't know that's it's, when people announce and that's that's the only time they have to it's run it's definitely
2: they're, even with the parliamentary system it's a lot different um, for sure uh, and they definitely don't do campaigning the same way we do it's a pretty pretty American thing And Phil, down in Philly you'll have dudes driving by and pick up trucks with signs for local candidates just like talking like back to the future yeah totally it's like a real, it's like almost <laughs> southern it's almost like uh, you know you picture people doing it in New Orleans and stuff well you guys have wards down there don't you we do have wards yeah and part of the local government is structured in
0: wards. I live in the first ward. So, what do you? So, what do you think? I know it's. A, I know that you think it's too early, mm. and I don't want to – Please, I don't want to get into a political debate. My West Side grandfather was never politics or religion. He just yeah. don't go there. Yeah. Um, unless you agree with them.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course. Yeah. Um do you think we're we're in rough shape? <laughs> uh no, I don't think that we're in I I would be if if you look at the timeline for the previous uh, uh election. Uh well for uh the election 8 years ago. Um <coughs> uh, I think it was something like Barack Obama and I could be completely wrong on this, but he didn't announce his candidacy until sometime around like now. Uh so it's definitely you know, definitely a lot could change. I do find one thing really interesting. I, I really like the candidate. You know, I don't like everything that he has to say, but I'm really uh, excited about Bernie Sanders as a candidate. Um, he's saying things that I've not seen politicians say and stand by things that I've not seen politicians stand by. And uh, I'll be interesting to see what direction he goes in.
0: You'd make a weird president, though, don't you think? I mean, no weird. I don't than know if I don't, but I mean, I don't George know if Bush Jr. was
2: the president. You know. Did you see the Will Ferrell thing over the weekend? No, I didn't. Where he cold opened as George, as George W. Bush through yeah. <laughs> no. SNL. That's really yeah, funny. He
0: was going to run again. <laughs> He's like, but you guys are missing me now." <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's funny.
1: No, I'm, I'm excited for Bernie. Actually, I like I like a lot of the things that he says. So yeah. I, I'd be curious
0: to see if he can go far with that. I feel the burn. Yeah. You know, and I know there's a, there's a couple of Tea Party friends. Friends of mine, mm-hmm. it's kind of like something you don't you don't admit openly. Where you have, like <laughs> hey, tea it's party funny. Friends.
2: I uh, originally, when the Tea Party first came out, I agreed with a lot of the things they said before they got hijacked. And then it got all like bastardized. People. Yeah, yeah. Um, hardcore Tea Party guy, and all he did was like listen
0: to one Bernie Sanders speech, and he's like, I've been wrong for years.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I mean, they're all saying basically the same thing. It's just. Well, you know, the way they come at it. I think it's more like reality TV right now. And who better to run it It than Trump? I actually saw a really good quote. It was uh, Frank Zappa said that politics is the uh, entertainment branch of the military industrial complex. (laughs) Really interesting thing to say and really kind of true in a lot of respects. I was never a fan of his
0: music and not because, you know, I just don't think I digested it enough. But man, that guy had some really poignant things to say. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he totally did. You know, did you ever see that? Did you ever see that movie with him? It was about him, D. Snyder, and um, John Denver when they were trying to fight the uh, when they wanted to when they wanted to ban certain music. And him, those three guys ended I, I've up becoming. Seen,
1: I've seen footage of them uh, <coughs> testifying and stuff, but I've never seen it. A, there's, there's a whole movie on that.
0: Oh yeah, they, they, VH1 did it. Oh, oh wow. okay. VH1 did a movie about those guys going down to fight the politicians, and they thought all the politicians thought like, "Oh, we're gonna pass this." John Denver's
2: coming, and John Denver came down. And he's like, "You're all wrong." Yeah, <laughs> and then they were like, "Oh shit." I'm pretty sure that Frank Zappa had a uh, parental advisory sticker on one of his records, and it was instrumental. <laughs> it was an instrumental record. I'm ninety percent <laughs> sure of that. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that seems like something that would go hand in
0: hand with that man. Yeah, totally. Yep. All right, moving on. Yeah, let's. Uh, For, no, I'm no more, sorry I brought up Zap. And no all
1: more, that. no more politics. But I, yeah, but I do, okay, sure. I do want to mention Star Wars because we did talk about it extensively on the last episode. But you know, are are you are you you're, so you're
2: excited? You're not wary about it in any way. No. I mean, were you were you a fan of the prequels or? You know, I take them for what they are. For me, a lot of the, the appeal of the original uh, trilogy for me is the nostalgia, the nostalgic aspect. I was at a certain age when I saw it. I had a certain worldview when I saw it. I associated it with like family members and like well, how exciting it was to see it when they, George Lucas or whomever was responsible for it, put out the ones with the extra special effects in it. I remember my dad taking us out of school to go see it. You know, I was like really cool. And yeah, I remember the, I was young enough. I didn't tell my mom, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I <could. laughs> when I was young enough, uh, I think, or sorry, I think I was young enough when the prequels came out to where, you know, I wasn't as concerned with, um, their ridiculous nature, I Jar Jar Binks and <laughs> all that. So, and I just uh, my girlfriend has never seen any of the movies, so I just made her watch all six in the last uh, no two and a half weeks. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, and rewatching the prequels, I was like, all right, I get this now, now especially how, with how, the Darth Jar Jar theory. That's,
1: oh yeah, I know that's that's
2: interesting. So yeah, so much fun to think about. Now, uh, how did she take them? Did she uh, she like them? You know, she liked them. I think she kind of liked. The prequels a little bit more than the old ones in certain respects, and I thought about it, and I was like, "That's ridiculous." And I thought, "Well, it kind of makes sense because of the um, kitschy nature of the special effects from the first three. So you don't necessarily know that it was cutting edge special effects, and you know, defied or sorry, defined and helped uh, shape special effects for the future because you know all we've seen are newer movies, you know? right? So I was like, "All right, I get it, kind of." But then as we got on, like the second and third, and the the, the you know the acting of uh, what's his face Hayden Christian man or something <laughs> Christian he, uh, man. <laughs> he you know also, and also with you <laughs> 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 yeah but it's still it's still you know it got me really 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 excited for what's coming yeah I meant to to watch
1: the ball beforehand but don't. Uh, I, I, I don't no, just do so four I, five six I'm just gonna well you know
0: uh that, that's what I meant by all of them I, I ask, see, I just can, I just don't acknowledge can I ask, you, can like I ask you a question sure like a real serious question absolutely is it true that your wife has not seen star wars it is true are you disappointed very okay yeah. Well, you see, it's one
1: of those things where I've been trying to get her to watch them for years. And she's the kind of person that falls asleep during a movie. And I just demand that you cannot fall asleep during Star Wars.
2: Mean? That's not watching the movie. That's falling asleep during the movie.
1: Exactly. So uh, every single time that I'm like, we're going to watch Star Wars, by the time we sit down to watch it, it's like, no, you're going to fall asleep. No, you can't fall asleep. Wait, so do no, you so
0: preemptively go, We're not gonna watch it? Yeah. Because I know you're not gonna yeah. not gonna be all right. I there. want
1: her I, I want her to pay full attention.
0: Do you know that Lauren is is strategizing a Star Wars day? So oh, that so that a, so that all day. the women in our lives can watch Star Wars?
1: That'd be great, just to knock it all out and get it done.
0: I believe it's going to be January 9th Okay. I'm just letting you know. So make sure she has a lot of coffee that day.
1: Well, uh, The Force Awakens will probably be in theaters till this time next year. So I'm not right. too worried about that not still being in the theater. <laughs> I was just buying point. tickets.
2: Uh, I actually bought tickets on the bus on the way over here. Yeah. And um, Are you sticking in town to see it? Uh, yeah, I'm going to be in town for the next couple days. Uh, and got them for Friday. I'm going to go with my brother, my girlfriend. Uh, Are you going to Cinemark? My sister-in-law. No, we're going to go to Dixon City. The Great Escape. And uh, I don't I have an opinion. Uh, fair enough. But yeah, I was looking at the times and there's like 40 different times we can see it on Friday.
0: It's yeah. Crazy. Are you going in 3D?
2: Uh, no. You're not going to do 3D? No, not, not at first because we're going with a very large group. My co- Some of my cousins are going and it's just kind of like, all right, we're going to keep it cheap. Some people want to see it in 3D. Some people don't want to see it in 3D. We won't see it in 3D. And then on my own time, I'll go see it in 3D IMAX by myself. Come can on, I, we, we wait, all know wait, we're going to see it again. Yeah, can I, oh yeah going to see it on Sunday. On. The
0: Cinemark XD is way better than the IMAX 3D up there. Is it? I'm just mm. putting it out there. Sure. I, went, I went and saw, what did I, uh, I saw Crimson Peak up there in the IMAX, and you can literally see the pixels. I don't know why. Hmm. Maybe they just got a bad a version or something, or something yeah. like that, but I was uh, like, oh, this looks like I'm looking really close at a television.
2: Yeah. I don't know if, if I've watching seen the Amazon wrong 3D movies, but I wasn't into 3D movies. Um, the only movie I saw in 3D that I really enjoyed was Interstellar. I saw it at, like, uh, I think the Franklin Institute and that giant dome thing that they have. Oh, wow. It was, yeah, it was That's wild, cool. man. It was real wild. It was really funny because I got there and it was in the middle of the day to see Interstellar, like, the day after it came out. And I got in line and I was like, all right. I'm like, you know, 28-something, you know, 20-something, single white dude in the Franklin Institute ready to see this movie, and then just, like, 40 of us lined up. Everybody was just by themselves. It was really... (laughs) It was, like, the most stereotypical, hilarious (laughs) thing. They're like, oh, we're a bunch of nerds. Yeah, I was like, ah, man. (laughs) Such a lot being a nerd. Not at all. No, I mean, it's funny, though, you know. I I go
0: see movies all the time by myself. It's like a tear falls down my face. Yeah. (laughs) My girlfriend, I'm like, do you want to go see Star She's like, not really. And I'm like, but you have. Come on. She's like, nope. And she likes spectacle movies. Like Lord of the Rings, loves it. Yeah. And she, I can't convince her to get into the world of Star Wars. Weird, because
2: so, they're so similar. They're both, uh, you know, it's like they're giant epics.
0: I know. I just can't. I don't know why. Maybe it's just that Peter Jackson does these shots that make you want to vomit. Because mm-hmm. when I first saw Lord of the Rings in the theaters, there were some shots where I got like vertigo. Mm-hmm. Where, like, he's going through Mordor and stuff, and you're just like, why does the camera need to do that? Right. I feel ill. And then you watch The Hobbit, and you're
2: like, oh, all right. And in 3D, it makes a lot better sense. But I think so many people have stigmas about uh, profound cultural events and, and things. You know, like, yeah, people will have an, um, uh, a stigmatized or emotional attachment to Star Wars and think it's something without seeing it, or think of a movie as a certain way and be like, oh, well, this person really likes it, and this is the vibe I get from it. so I'm probably not going to like it. Like Did you ever see Monster Squad? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I don't know what that is. You don't know?
0: 19. I'm not going to get into it. But anyways, that's one of those movies that like defined my youth. Uh-huh. And my buddies are like, we 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 rewatched it. We think it sucks. <laughs> and then I watched it again because I'm like, you guys can't be right. And they weren't. I still loved it. There you go. I See, I saw it when I was older. I thought it was awesome. It's a great movie. It's written by Shane Black. Yeah.
1: I, I actually never saw it uh, as a kid, though. You know, really? like the, yeah, when Wolf you when I, when I wanted to see it. No, I never saw it. The name it is Horus. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, let's get into this show. Yeah. All right, you ready? Oh, I'm ready. I'm you ready. Go. for it. Start. I'm rooting everything. <laughs> As they laugh like Mutley. Yeah. So uh
1: you get you guys have had a super, super busy year. Uh how many tours at this point? Let's see. The, there's the uh yeah the the me without you uh pianos become the teeth uh, tour um, the you had a uk tour in the summer
2: mm, UK and Europe
1: uh, I'm going backwards here sure. uh taking back Sunday let
2: live over the spring yeah. and uh, also in the beginning of the summer there was a uh, we did a headline tour with chumped and uh, <coughs> in June Wow yeah so um
1: what was uh Roger Harvey? Uh, so, some of the uh, some of the 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 highlights of uh of your past year in terms of shows.
2: Oh man. I guess uh the first part of it doing the Take Me Sunday tour was a lot of fun in the aspect that it wasn't a headline tour for us. So there was a less uh, pressure as far as being in unknown territory. We knew exactly what we were getting into. We knew that uh, how many people were going to be at the show every night and what it was going to be like and, uh, we met some met a lot of people on that tour we met some cool people in Let Live and, and Take Meck Sunday it was really fun to tour with them they're all really cool people that you can learn a lot from because they've been doing it for longer and they're you know they're a bit more popular band so you can kind of watch them and learn from them and their crew were really cool people and yeah that was a lot of fun that was a long one though. that was the longest one that we've ever done I think and uh, it was a little bit taxing and then yeah man and in Europe it was the first time that we took a bus so that was uh, really fun. Really it like, fun. It wasn't like the almost famous, no
0: more, no more planes.
2: I mean, not that, not, <laughs> yeah, not that far. But it was definitely like five a.m. can come pretty quick when you when you don't have to be somewhere. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. That was I think that and also every time you go to Europe, you're kind of in a situation where there's a communication barrier, even with the fact that a lot of people speak English. It's it's still difficult to communicate on a you know it's difficult to vibe on people they're culturally different you can't get the same uh you're not as sharp you know you're in a foreign in a in, a, in another place that you're not used to being in and i think it brings you closer together with the people that you're there with so i think that that tour kind of brought us uh at least emotionally closer together as a band and with our crew our tour manager and our engineer and that was that was that was really an experience our summer in europe it was wild and we had the craziest fucking bus driver, man. This guy spoke hardly any English at all and would just yell shit. He was great. He called Wait, like, Greg Toretzi. No, like, uh well, not no, not Toretzi. He was like fuck ass. Like, well, he would just like this dude did a tour in Russia for like four months. This guy was the hardest person I've ever met, probably. <laughs> Did he have like the Russian prison tats or no? He was a German guy, or he was Dutch oh. by way of Germany. I think he was grew up in, in in the Netherlands and then moved to Northern Germany. But yeah, he just like was a real tough dude. He played the same CDs over and over again though, and they were ridiculous. <laughs> it was like an Elvis Presley, like a German Elvis Presley cover band. He played that constantly. There was what? a guy who opened up one of the festivals that we played who was just playing a. Um, like a like a Rhodes piano and just like doing these like weird lounge songs that were real funny. One of the songs you you could only make out cocaine and marijuana at the end of the chorus. So you're just like, you know, cocaine and marijuana and the dude would play, you'd wake up at 7.30 in the morning and like roll out of your bunk and like this rocky, you know, on this rocky bus and sure enough, the bus driver would be up there singing along to this fucking weird CD. <laughs>
1: and
2: you're like, okay, I get it. All right, well wake up. He was he was a great, he, was, he ended up being a great dude though. We really, uh, You'd sit up there. If you sat up there in the front with him and attempted to like learn German words and talk about life and stuff, he really gained a lot of respect for you and would be cool. You'd like open up a little bit. He'd be like, For you, safety is first. And he said that one day, and I was like, Oh, wow. He's like, I come to venue and it is not safe. We leave. And I'm like, You're just like, All right, well, thanks. I guess you value my life. (laughs) <laughs>
0: cool
2: if it's yeah. no safe we leave yeah he's, an, he's a really really interesting guy and that was that was a really funny part about do you still
0: keep in time. touch with him
2: no I don't even we tried to find him on. he's like I'm. he told Greg and I he was on Facebook we couldn't find him <laughs> <laughs> no one knows how to spell his name is that yeah.
0: weird like going on tour where you're like alright we're getting like when you crew up and you're getting all these like people whom you know you have like this little family and then you like you have this extended amount of people with you who
2: who like you're not really sure like Oh, totally. Is
0: there like that whole getting used to you phase?
2: Yeah, there's that, and it's also you're, you know, now you have assets. You have, you'll have cash on you. You'll have like things that you need to protect, or you need your personal belongings. You worry about shady stuff. I mean, we've been robbed in Europe before. Uh, You know, there's people who try to take advantage of you. Not that's not the overwhelming emotion involved, like the overwhelming, uh, you know, vibe that goes on while you're there. But yeah, the the whole. I think the best way to put it would be that you have to get real with people really fast. You don't have, you don't have a time to get to know somebody over a long period of time. So you have to kind of, a lot of people who are in a touring situation or when you're a touring musician, you get over talking about the weather really fast. So you'd be like, all right, well, what, what kind of like a uh, emotional connection are we going to have with this person in the next two weeks? So you just have to get to the business first and then, you know. So, so what was
0: it, what was it like going from, cause, cause you guys moved to, you, you all moved to Philly. We did. Yeah. And then what? What was it like? Because I don't think because we do a lot. Well, Rich does. I just kind of show up Mondays and now Wednesdays. <laughs> but like he's incredibly involved with like the local scene. That's why it's mm-hmm. called an APA scene. Like I and and for you guys, like I don't I don't think I don't think the the people around here kind of have an understanding about like what it is to be a musician as like a profession. So can can. Can you kind of get shine a little light on, like, you know, it's not party central and oh, all that stuff? Absolutely,
2: yeah, yeah. That's that's one of the biggest obstacles, I think, that people face when they're trying to um, become a professional musician is that they think that you get discovered. There's a word that people use a lot of times. You think you'll be in a bar or at a show, and there'll be a record executive there, and they'll see you, and then they hand you a contract. The, um, it's a lot of work, a lot, a lot of hard work. You have to practice and practice and practice and also keep your shit intact and be disciplined, you know. It's like uh, uh if you if you need to practice four times a week, you practice four times a week and you need to practice at five o'clock, everybody's gotta be there at five o'clock. If you're there at six thirty, then fuck you. You know, like why what are we gonna wait for you? Um <laughs> that kind of that kinda it's a it's a so it's yeah, it's definitely not party central. It it well, it is party central when you make time you work hard, play hard, I guess would be the best way to put it. So you work hard, practice hard, and then you know, you get to reward yourself with you know, doing some like drinking wine in Paris. And one uh, we time we were there, one time we played a show at Tiger's Jaw in Scotland. We were all in an apartment in Scotland, like that's beautiful, being I ridiculous, drinking beer and stuff. And then we were like, Yo, you know, we know what we need to do. We need to listen to Rock 107. So we took a computer and found Are you shitting me? Oh, I was the best. Found <laughs> iHeartRadio uh, or, or some kind of uh, right. streaming service where they had Rock 107 on them. We were just blasting it in an apartment in like a 1800 or like a thousand year old building in Edinburgh. You know, a bunch of guys from Scranton and guys and girls from Scranton. It was, you know, it's really cool. It was, that's the kind of reward that you get. And yeah, being a professional musician is definitely. It's like being a small business owner, being anything else that you want to be good at. If you want to be good at it, you have to. You really have to work hard. And uh, not to, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back because I definitely have fucked off plenty of times in my life. But um, yeah, it definitely is not as easy as uh, television and movies and stuff kind of make it seem to be.
1: Now, what was it like being uh, from from an unsigned band uh, to now having a, a major label behind you? A lot of people now, it seems like uh, they're running away from major labels or they're trashing major labels, but it seems like you guys have a great relationship with Epitaph.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Epitaph's actually an independent label, mm-hmm. but uh, so it's not quite a major label, but it's a, it's a large independent label, and they are they treat us with tons of respect and we treat them with a lot of respect and they are really, really have always been so good to us. And every time we go and meet them or any, every interaction that we have with them is just uh positive positive. And it seems like everybody's on the same page, that page being the one where people, you know, treat each other right and are into the same things. You know, they, they want to sign really cool bands and they do. And um, they really believed in us and they've invested a lot in us and they've shown us how to, to be a cool band it's been the relationship with them has been fantastic but going from an unsigned band to that was definitely we got signed to go-kart records pretty early on that was like a uh we thought it was going to be different than it was but we definitely have to send a lot of love to greg ross from go-kart records for you know we drove from here in scranton up to rochester and met him at a wegman's like the parking lot <laughs> and we went in and ate a pizza and he had, he had lost his luggage. Yeah. So he was wearing sweatshirts and a sweatshirt that he borrowed from his dad. And we were like, who the fuck is this guy? This is wild. <laughs> but then we came home, we were all like freaking out. I remember we all wrote down uh, on a piece of paper, how many albums we thought we would sell of the first record or sorry, how many copies of the first record we thought we would sell. And then Greg put it in his wallet. And then we looked at it and the numbers were ridiculous. It was like, Oh dude, we're going to sell 50,000 records, man. <laughs> And uh, it was just like all, you know, really, really starry eyed. For us, it was from going from an unsigned band to a signed band epitaph. It was, it was very gradual. It wasn't really like an all at once kind of thing that shook us and fuck with us. And I think that was a, that's a good, a good thing.
0: So you guys never never had like that quick gratification. It was like you were always working towards the next level. Yeah, it was never definitely. like.
2: I mean, there's some parts that were quick. We got we got flown to LA to meet Epitaph Records, and some of us. I think one of us had never been on a plane before, and most of us hadn't been on a plane since we were you know children, like little kids. So the fact that somebody paid for all four of us to go on an airplane and go to Los Angeles to talk to them was like the craziest thing. It's wild. <laughs>
1: I remember we did, we did an interview a couple of years ago, and uh, you'd said that meeting went so well. It was like a like a barbecue kind of thing. Yeah, we had a barbecue really back.
2: back. Totally, we talked about we talked you know shop for a little bit, and then there were like uh, Brett Gerwitz, who owns Epitaph Records, is the bass player of Bad Religion, and that's a band that we grew up to, grew up with, and like they shaped my life. And just to be able to sit in the back of Epitaph Records in the parking lot and listen to him tell stories from back in the day while we just had a couple beers was it was surreal. It's wild. Was that a weird, like, starstrucky moment? Oh, totally. We were all sitting, there. nobody knew what to say. We just kind of sat there, and I think that they could tell. You know, he could tell, and he definitely, every time there's like a bunch of silence, he'll like, you know, just start talking to break it. And... <laughs> yeah. It was cool.
0: Cause it wasn't like, it wasn't like one of those, cause I always found, cause I used to work in LA, I used to mm-hmm. do films and shit. Oh, okay. Like the starstruck thing after like the first minute and a half, like goes away. And you just realize that they're people who, you know sleep and use the restroom
2: i would hope so yeah totally <laughs> <laughs> the uh yeah i could see that especially in a working environment where that would definitely i mean that's definitely happened to us too i've run into some musicians that i really looked really looked up to and then was just like oh well i guess that's just that but still a part of it is for us has always been it's easy to get starstruck it's cool
0: I mean, but it's but
2: it's almost like for me, it was like a comfort where I was like, "Oh, it's they're just like a oh, person." Oh, totally, yeah. It brings everything in full circle. And you're like, "Oh, all right, this person, you know, they just dropped their something, and now they have to pick it." You know, like any like <laughs> any like uh, you know flaw, and it shows their 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 humanity. He spilled his coffee. Yeah, he spilled his coffee. He's Holy a human. shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's it's been
1: uh I, I I was looking on uh your guys' uh, social media and um, you know, it's been five years since Chamberlain Waits. That's so weird to me. Yeah,
2: that's yeah, yeah, I guess it has been five years, hasn't it? Wow. Well, yeah. I I think feel it's old. weird to think about the the
1: uh the just in the small amount of time you know how how much how far you guys have come too yeah. you know listening to, to do you uh do you look back at the other records and, and you know fondly or do you like oh you know I wish we had done this differently or uh you know how how do you look at you know the older stuff as compared to uh you know what you're doing now
2: uh when I, li- I don't really listen to it that often, but we'll play it, and sometimes I'll listen to it, especially if I'm, like, gone along driving myself or something, I'll think, oh, I haven't listened to this record in a year. Why don't I throw it on? Sure. Um, it's fun, because it brings you back to the times that you wrote it, and for since we write lyrics, it brings you back to the emotional state and life situation that you were in when you wrote the lyrics. So, it's uh, nostalgic and fun to revisit that, and also how to contemplate and how you've grown since then. Um, one thing that we've always done, and I think we try to do personally, is look forward to and try to see where the world's going and where we're going in the world. So it's uh, you can kind of use that as an uh, apply that to records and think, Oh well, this is really fun. We played this back then. This is a cool song. A lot of times you'd be like, "Oh man, this song is really good." Like I forgot how good this song was, <laughs> and uh, then you realize, you know, I've, I'm you know way better at guitar than I was then, or I'm way better at singing than I was then, I'm, I know a lot more about the world, and I feel more comfortable in my own skin since I did then. So you try to. I mean, I think that everything that we make is better than what it was before, or at least different.
1: Well, that I, I assume that's the goal is to always kind of be totally, try, trying in. to get
2: better. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, and it's been a couple of years since Rented World. So, you guys working on something else now? Or? Yeah,
2: we're gonna be home writing for a long time now. Okay. We, uh, yeah, we're starting it now. So, so uh,
1: how how long does that process usually take? Is this something that you know? Uh, that's the
2: thing is, there's no formula, and yeah. it's just kind of even the writing process, there's not really a formula for us. So we just kind of not wing it, but change it each time to fit our lives. And,
0: but you're not having like pressure to be like, we need to, uh, get,
2: I mean, like- there's always that pressure because we did this, we do it professionally. So we can't just like, Oh, I guess I'll just take the next six months. Like, and you can't just fuck, fuck off. off right, but, yeah. Right. But, um, yeah, there's not like an overwhelming pressure. There's not an, on un- un- unwanted pressure. I'll say, uh, yeah, there's definitely no nobody breathing down our necks. um, I mean, except they, for the fact that also when you're on a touring cycle, so you'll, you'll release a record and then you're on a touring cycle for the record. And if you just keep touring on the same record, people will get bored and, uh, less people will come to your shows and then it'll feel, you know, you feel start dragging down and stuff. What's the longest stretch you ever, you went on on the road? Sorry. You can burp, man. I it's think right. like, uh, six weeks, a little over six weeks, maybe. And is it, I could is be it, wrong. Is it just you and the band, or like do you get to bring the girlfriend, or do you get to? No, it's just us in the band, and sometimes we'll, you know, girlfriend will fly out and meet us, uh, or we can, we'll come back to Philly in the middle of a tour. So we'll take a, take a day off after her before, and I mean, does that get ra- I mean, does that get ragged? Where you're just like,
0: man, just, uh, I yeah. just want this to end.
2: Uh, once in a while, yeah, but uh, well, not, not like for like end. a long period of time. No, totally like get home. Sometimes you want to yeah. go home, uh, not for like the last week of a tour, but for you know. Uh, an hour a day for the last week of the tour or like maybe one particular day you're like man I really just want to go home especially if you get sick or something like there's nothing worse than being sick on tour where you're just like you a, even a cold yeah even a, even a cold you can't yeah. do anything you just have to sit there and everybody's you know it's a really um, it's a late night so you wake up late and you play and then by the time you're done loading out it's like 1am and you're like alright well I guess I'll go to bed now even though it's I 2 o'clock like sh- and I feel like shit yeah. and I just want to die yeah you know? <laughs> And there's no more Netflix. Totally. But then you just realize, uh, yeah, I'm on tour, so it's just all fine. I do what I want. And you and you do. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool.
0: So uh
1: I, I'm sure there's there's uh, a lot of our listeners are, you know, local artists, local bands, things like that. So I'm sure they they probably I'm still want surprised
0: people listen. I'm just saying. Especially with me.
1: They're out there. <laughs> And I, I'd imagine they'd want to know, you know, what, what does it take to be a successful man? What does it take to be a touring band? Cause, uh, you know, a lot of people want to get to that point, but, uh, you know, like you said, it takes a lot of work. So, yeah. I mean, what kind of advice do you
2: have? I guess just, um, really believe in yourself. Well, a couple of things, one, just for life, you have to be comfortable with yourself and believe in yourself. I think to be a, a complete person, that's a really, really important, um, and work really hard. And also whoever's in your, whoever, whoever you play in a band with, you all have to be on the same page. So many of my friends play with each other and they'll be best friends and they'll play in a band, but it'll be obvious to me that they're not on the same page. Like one person will want to do one thing. One person will not want to tour, let's say. And then there, if you look at it and examine it, then you realize that it can't work because one person wants one thing and one is inevitably going to be a, a, you know, a fatal conflict. um, yeah, I guess the advice I would give would be to work hard and make sure that you have a lot of fun and and everybody's on the same page. And also meet bands from other towns and trade shows with them. Play a show, you know, meet a band from wherever, play a show in their town, then you play a show here, and then that's how you can start to start to tour because you kind of can't just dive out into it.
1: And I'd imagine you're you're still learning because uh, you know, like you said, uh, you're talking to Taking Back Sunday, like oh, yeah, concert. Their, uh, you know, what what kind of things do you do? You have you taken away from those kind of interactions? Oh, that's kind of
0: like my question.
2: Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Yes, you kind of learn how to deal with. Well, like there's simple things you'll learn. Like you know, somebody might pass you on a spreadsheet that'll make your job easier. So stuff like that, mm. um, just like logistical things. And then there's uh, the more emotional and philosophical things, like. Um, how to treat people that work for you, or how to treat each other, or how to treat yourself, and how to not how not to party too hard, or how not to uh, how to handle it when somebody parties too hard, you know, like that so stuff, like that. You kind of learn.
0: What What do you think? Um, either as an individual or as a band, like w- like maybe one of the major life lessons of the last like decade, as far as like growth or like this prophetic.
2: I think going back to the way that you have to look at yourself, because if you don't have a healthy relationship with yourself, then it's more difficult to have healthy relationships with other people. And that's like a really, that's something that I don't think anybody's ever come to a full closure with, you know, and everybody probably struggles with that constantly. But I'm not talking about people who have like uh, self confidence issues or something, but you just have to, oh, yeah, sure. Uh, Somebody who. No, no, no. We'll pause. We'll we'll pause to get the open beer while I talk about talking. I thought
0: they were twists. Who, and just you know, like a frat basement, just throw the cap
2: on the floor. Thanks a lot, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think for in my life the the biggest thing that's helped me over the last ten years is just uh, being self aware. I guess being self aware because once you're self aware, then you can start to um, change yourself. Now, what do
0: you now? What do you mean by self aware? Like aware of like how you're behaving or mm-hmm. how
2: you're. Aware of how you're behaving and how it affects those around you and how it affects yourself. Uh, I think that, you know, the, the worst thing that you could do while you're on tour, everybody's confined to a small space is... Fart. Inconvenient. Well, <laughs> sometimes, man, you know. No, I'm not the... There's. We had this joke running about the fart Nazi. It was like you get really... It's whenever people get really mad when somebody farts, you're like... <laughs> Man, everybody's just farting, you know? But uh, <laughs> this is, you know, a just long time a window, ago. Just open the window. It's over. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a while ago. And it was, and, and, that, and it, well, nobody was actually mad. It was just a running joke. It was great. <laughs> um, but yeah, just being so when you're on tour, you. you Think even in your life. Think about it. The like an asshole is the worst person that you want to deal with. Uh, male, female, old, young. If, when someone else's bullshit affects your life, it's that's a problem. And if you're if your bullshit is affecting somebody else's life, then you're the problem. And then if everybody in the world <laughs> just stopped putting their bullshit on everybody else, then it would be a nice I'm up. a lot better place. I guess it's some kind of like perverted take on um, the golden rule. Uh, it's just you know.
0: What's that? I mean, that's my philosophy, right? What's my philosophy?
2: You know it. Don't be a
0: dick. Close. (laughs) What's the other side of that? What's the back side of it? The front side's a dick. Don't be an asshole. Don't be an asshole. Yeah. I just think that's. I. I think that. I think that's the golden rule.
2: Totally. And uh, but a lot of times, you know, a lot of times people don't even realize they're being an asshole, and you have to examine yourself and be like, "Wow, I am totally am just." It, my, you know, stubbornness in this situation, or my lack of stubbornness in this situation, is inconveniencing people in a way. Like think about, think about you know, religious fanaticism. Uh, that's insane. You make people think a certain way and do a certain thing. You have a, uh, you know, political um, people. But, but usually, it's apocryphal because
0: they're doing the opposite of what they're telling people.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Which you is know, that's true. That's a whole yeah. other thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the overcompensation. Those psycho people. <laughs> But yeah, I think that uh, you know, to get philosophical, uh, do it. Self, yeah, self awareness and uh, self improvement can uh, is definitely the biggest thing that I've approached in the last ten years. I think that people can really benefit from.
0: I think that's the Scranton, in you. Maybe I think it might be.
2: You know, it's this, never is, this leave. a hard
0: scrabble town. Oh yeah, I heard someone once say, which I was like, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it means, but I like that. Kind yeah, of. yeah, totally. Like a hard scrabble town, like Scranton, and I'm like, what? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Right. Scrabble is difficult? A difficult word game? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Scrant, Scranton. <laughs> like, like Throop. Oh, right, throop. it's really hard to pronounce. <laughs> throop. <laughs> well,
2: that's like I was telling you guys before we started the podcast, showing somebody, I don't even remember who, who it was. It might have been in Europe. It might have been in... I forget where it was. We were showing somebody polka because they had not seen it before. Oh you were, and yeah, like, yeah, yeah, and Scranton, the Pennsylvania polka man. We talked about and we showed them the YouTube video from uh, what was WNEP? No, WVIA. WVIA. Yeah, gotta get it right. WVIA had it, and uh, yeah, their mind was blown. It was really funny. Their
0: marketing <laughs> dollars just went down. They're like,
2: the Menzingers just confused us with. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so when when can we
1: expect the uh, Menzingers polka album?
2: Oh, uh, it's uh, it's done. It's getting mastered right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Butch Vig's doing it. Yeah, Butch Vig's, <laughs> Vig's mixing it. Yep, it's so
0: I could think you're onto something here. Yeah. Maybe okay. it's coming. That's that's a genre of music this, that I think will never have a resurgence of any
2: kind. All it's gonna take. All right, so think about it. Swing came back in the '90s. All for it's like gonna take is second. a first split oh, right. second. All it's gonna take is a surplus in the budget, no wars. Uh, uh, you know, a <laughs> good strong economy, and then next thing you know, fucking poke is gonna be popular.
0: Hmm Strike up the music, Pennsylvania.
2: I don't know why I'm singing it that way,
0: but <sighs> so are you. Would a, you sh- wait? Would you shit <laughs> seriously? Like, would yeah. you shit if, like, you know, five years from now, like, any PA scene's kicking ass, still covering everything locally, and the big thing is a polka band, and you're like, I gotta, I have to cover it, right? Would you? Would, oh, I would. I mean, yeah, but would you like out of like this weird? or would you like take it some, like like out of this morbid curiosity or like this weird curiosity you'd be like I'm actually excited to go well, talk I, to this faux poka band that's I would be excited about it I
1: it. would be excited about it and uh I would go back to this podcast and be like see we called it
0: yeah and that was you know what always the interesting the bands were huge how did everybody get paid that's a good question.
1: <laughs> uh, people, I never
2: people bought records, so I think that might. Have is been that what it was? Maybe. Yeah.
0: My buddy made a documentary around here. It's called "The Man Who Who Would Be Polka King," and there was a guy, Jan Luan I think was his name, big polka guy around here, like in the nineties. Ran a pyramid scheme scheme where he stole like millions of dollars from the elderly. <laughs> oh my God, that's awful. And apparently now it's going to be a Jack Black movie. Oh wow so my 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 buddy who wrote it, it say it was on Netflix but if you can find it the man it would be Poker King it's yeah. so amazing wow. and, and you, you Is see, it on
2: iTunes or something I, I believe sure, it's on yeah. it's on I'll iTunes it.
0: Amazon but it was on Netflix for yeah. a period of time and my buddy like he's he just texted me like 20 minutes ago he's the guy who did it and yeah, I, we I, had him on the show awesome. once.
1: I, I thought that, yeah, that we was had so interesting.
0: Yeah. Oh, he could—the t- f- man who would be—it's—it's it's actually incredible. Like what this guy did. Like he—he—he he, he would bring people over to Vatican City to meet the Pope. Wow. And take their money. Wow. So like he would like all this shit. <laughs> Damn. And it's a—it's amazing when you watch it. But the cool—the cool thing about it is like talking about nostalgia. You actually see like all the old Pennsylvania polka clips. Wow! From V.I.A. It's awesome. That's so And everybody do so the up-down dance. I'm definitely gonna check that up. It's really good.
1: So, are you guys uh, in in songwriting mode now? Or uh, yeah,
2: yeah. We're trying to get in the songwriting mode at least.
1: Uh, now is that something that you're you're always doing like are you writing on the road or are you uh are you doing it like you know when when you sit down and do a do a session together so we
2: write uh, a lot of times we write the four of us together so Greg or i'll bring chords and some lyrics in and uh some you know a rough structure and then the four of us will kind of really shape the song so we get a lot more done when we're home so okay. when we're not on tour uh, but while we're on tour definitely i think because you're moving your mind is going and you're kind of constantly being inspired by the the type of people that you run into and the places that you go that it's it's kind of easier to write lyrics and things like that.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, where do you where do you usually get your inspiration from?
2: I don't know, anywhere. I went, we went to, my girlfriend and I went to the art museum the other day and this is like the most pretentious thing I've said in a long time. <laughs> but we went to the art museum the other day and I came home and was inspired. I was like, wow, this is great. Not by the contemporary art section or the modern art section, sorry. <laughs> but uh, just seeing, uh, you know, just seeing all the people there and, and the dedication of... Uh, and just seeing the, you get a sense of time. There's a, there's a, a, a Japanese tea garden in there, and some really, really old artifacts at the Philadelphia Museum of uh, Art. And it kind of, you know, puts humanity in your life into perspective. And going, I was really inspired. It was great. <laughs> out of out of all the places that you've been, right, mm-hmm. where's the one
0: place where you'd be like, you know what, I'd like to to write here. Uh, I don't know.
2: That's a really good question. For me, it would probably, wow. I don't know. Might Holy be, shit.
0: This is the first time in like 43 podcasts I asked a stumpy question.
2: Yeah. I mean, I can't. <laughs> I don't know. There's so many places. I wish I could just go to a different one every day. But uh, definitely, or I don't is know. Or, maybe or, here. Or in Scranton? Maybe. Yeah. This is where we wrote uh, um a lot of our material. We wrote, we actually came up here and sequestered ourselves to write uh, our record on The Impossible Pass, we stayed in Lake Ariel for a couple weeks and did it there. And we wrote we wrote like six songs there, like the six best songs. It was crazy. Really? Yeah, pretty much.
0: All right. Now, where was... And then as a follow-up, where is the one place that you've ever toured where you were kind of like awestruck by like either, either the environment or like, you know, some sort of architectural
2: masterpiece or some sort of story that happened there? Probably... Uh, Any name your place in Europe anyway? uh, Playing in Bologna, even though the show wasn't that cool. Well, actually, not take that back. The show was great. Uh, Playing in Northern Italy was really, really awesome and interesting just to see because you just have all this. People were doing the same exact shit that they've been doing for like two thousand years. They have two. uh, There's some Roman um, infrastructure left there, some aqueducts and stuff. But in the town center, there were two giant towers. They were, uh, you know, kind of leaning. And they'd been there since you know an unfathomable amount of time for an American. And then there's just people like drunks and shit hanging out underneath and eating pizza <laughs> and fucking around. You're like people have just been walking around this town square doing whatever for so long. and it's just it's just kind of mind mind blowing like like this three thousand year old structure people are just like yeah, people eating. have just been hanging out and drinking beer here for like you know or whatever yeah <laughs> sitting here reading people have been sitting here and reading forever you know i like guess it's, it's wild i mean do you walk up to that and you're like you're like but
0: what are you guys doing oh like, yeah
2: without, with, like is there's some sort of reverence where you're like i don't think you should be doing that no well i think it. uh everybody's just re- kind of in the sense uh, especially as an american it feels because they're all just so laid back so they'll be they look like they've got nowhere to go which they don't i guess but they're just <laughs> They're really, <laughs> they're just really laid back and there's no sense of urgency anywhere. There's no, you know, nobody's hustling anything in Europe. Uh, well, in some places in Europe, I mean, you know, you can go to England and it's kind of mirrored. It's like an older America, but it's uh, not in like New, sense, York, New York City or LA where it's like, I got to go somewhere. I need something to, like the stress of like, no, just- maybe in London. Yeah. And, and maybe in certain parts of Berlin and, uh, you know, Paris or wherever the stereotypical g- giant world cities are. But, uh, yeah, some of the smaller places. And so every town in Europe is usually structured around a town center or a square. So we went on tour with our our friends. And um, apologies, I have none. And our friend John was with him. And he said every town he goes to in in Europe, he's like, yeah, I got to go have a beer in the square. I got to go have a a tea in the square or coffee or whatever. And you're like, okay. And so you realize every of these little towns you went to, the entire town is built around one square with like a fountain. Every town, no matter how big or how small. Really? Yeah. And you just go and you... Drink a beer in the square. And then you're like, all right, that well, I just had the, you know, most European experience you could kind of get and then <laughs> go, and, go and do your thing. But we don't seem to really do it as much here. And I'm not saying it's better here, worse, worse here, but it just seems to be, it puts things into a perspective and it decreases your sense of self-importance, I think, because you're just like, oh, well, this is th- something that people have been doing forever and what I've been doing forever, you know, doesn't, doesn't matter. It's cool.
1: Are the audiences overseas differently? Uh, different? Are you? Are you? Uh, do you, do you uh, play differently for them, or do they receive the music differently?
2: Uh, we don't necessarily play differently for them. Sometimes we do because they'll be into you know people will request stuff or, or whatever. But uh, besides England, it's definitely definitely different and uh, i always kind of compare it as a joke and it's kind of making fun of them as uh there's like a crowd full of the sims because sometimes they'll kind of look like people <laughs> from the sims like in america it gets where our shows can get really rowdy There'll be people climbing on each other and they're just like doing whatever and uh, over there everybody's just kind of you know even though they have a less of a sense of a personal space they kind of just all bop around and
0: mm.
2: yeah and there's something called the german compliment which is like a Ba- they're what? they're oh yeah, they're so efficient in Germany that they uh, socially <laughs> I not think we want to rephrase that. No, no, they're they're efficient people, they're great engineers. Like everything you go over there is just a little <laughs> bit better than it is here. Even <laughs> down to like doorknobs. Or you'll see a gadget. Wait, what's that, the
0: difference between a doorknob
2: in Germany? Well, you just pick like, this is just a better doorknob than the one I would have at home. Like it just this is just makes more sense. They'll have windows <laughs> that just work better. Like, <laughs> you'll go in, you'll go into a bathroom and there'll be some kind of gadget. You're just like, oh, Of course. That's great. Like uh Uh, a little thing that sticks out of the door so you can open the door with your shoe after you wash hands so you don't have to touch the handle oh like like the pulley thing yeah just just a little piece of whatever piece of plastic you pull it over but yeah, just little stuff so like that. You don't have to
0: touch the doorknob.
2: Yeah, it's not in every bathroom, but I've definitely, that was the first place I saw it, was Germany. But you'll go over there and you'll be like, oh, this is, you know, a really funny and efficient way to package this sandwich that you would just never see, you know? <laughs> just dumb shit like that. But the German compliment is somebody would be like, oh, uh, you know, I really liked your set, uh, but the third and fourth song, nah, they weren't good. And they'll just walk away and you'll be like, all right, well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're just completely honest with me, and you're trying to drive straight home to the point. You know, all right.
0: <laughs> well, for for a region that's been through two world wars, I think oh, they are yeah. just like, i
2: eh, oh, to totally. be honest.
0: That's why I moved back to Scranton, man. People stab you in the heart here before they stab you in the back. <laughs> That's definitely I, that's true. That's what I loved about
2: it. Yeah, I think that's generally true for the Northeast as well. Is it really? Uh, for sure. Yeah, the East Coast is, Uh, that's one of the things that when we first started touring on the West Coast, not to make broad sweeping generalizations of right. people, but there are things that are culturally a little bit different in the way that we approach things up here is definitely uh, stereotypically more straightforward and hard. Like any one of us would tell the other person about something that we found disagreeable before we would
0: wait but for But not in a malicious away. way.
2: No, no, yeah, no. Or if it needed to be in a most way, but probably not. You know, not. But you would, you would say it right to your face instead of waiting for you to walk away and be like, "Ooh, I really hate that guy." You know, and be like, <laughs> "No,
0: I saw, I saw a dude at a West Side bar, uh-huh. and like, you know how like you can be in a bar and you're like, something's gonna happen. Yeah, I don't know course. who it's gonna be. I don't know what's gonna what it's gonna be, but something's gonna happen. And I saw this guy just drill this guy in the face <laughs> down to the ground, picks him up hands him a beer and he goes and you're not going to do that again, right? And he's like, "Nope." <laughs> and I was like, "Fuck yeah." Like this is that town where you can punch somebody in the face and buy them a beer and everything's all right and they'll that's never really do it again. I don't know, it's a weird like alcohol
2: respect line. I don't know. Yeah. No, tell totally. It's like, "Hey, you're, you know." You I like
0: that's what I like though.
2: I like Yeah, you that. To think you put it really well when you said stab him in the heart and before he stab him in the back. So it's Oh, okay. Good.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to make a t-shirt. Yep. Yep. Maybe that'll be the new Scranton t-shirt. We'll sta- That's the new logo. <laughs> Welcome to Scranton. We'll stab you in the heart. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then on the back of the shirt, I can say before we stab you in the heart. Ah, see, there you go.
0: Yes. All right, we came to this together. I will pay for the production. We will split the profits. Hey, yeah, keep them. Keep them. No. Yeah. No, it's not fair. See, Scranton's fair. Yeah, if you like gotta, to play fair. Right. Fair enough. <laughs>
1: And, and, and uh, you know Scranton in general, I think uh, you know plays such a role in in your music and and in the uh, you know inspiration for the lyric. Why does it still stick with you? Uh, you know, uh, these years later, because I mean you've been in Philly for a few years now.
2: Yeah, I've been there for eight years, I think. Or? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Is that right? No, I've been there for a long time. It might be not that long. It might be seven years. But um, this is where we grew up, so I think our formative years were spent here, and that's kind of how we were shaped. So it's kind of at the time. Our worldview, the foundations were all laid here. So any way that we look at the rest of the world, no matter what, in part, we're going to relay it back to what we learned here. So uh, our families here, the, what we learned from the environment we are in, from the culture around here. And this is a very culture-rich place. I'm not just saying that because I'm from here. A lot of times, like it took us a little bit to realize when we started to go on tour, there's not that many cities where people are – second third fourth generation from the immigrants that came here uh especially like white people they usually you know you meet like have some friends that are of mexican descent or um you know asian descent that can connect right back but it's really weird to be like oh yeah my grandma's irish you know like that's not a thing that really happens and i think that that whole many of the different groups of people that lived here and call this place home created a rich cultural interesting thing like i you know i know polish food italian food and, you know, before I went to Poland or Italy, it was, and that's not something that you really run into uh, in a lot of places, you know. <laughs> so when you walked into Poland, you're like, I'll have the Halushki. Oh, I'll have the Halushki. I don't think they call it Halushki, but I got Holuski while I was there, or Halupki. <laughs> uh, definitely got lots of pierogies in Poland. I love Poland. Poland's a great, really, really cool place.
0: You know, who was just there? Corey was just there. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He Did, said
2: it was one of his favorite places.
0: And he bought like all of his new sweatshirts from Poland, and <laughs> they like have a side zipper. It's really strange. Yeah. it's very like Euro, like yeah, totally Welcome Euro. to the disco, and it's like this side oh, yeah. zipper thing. <laughs> but what did you think about? I went to. I, we shot a documentary on music in Ireland like two or three years ago, which I still have to edit. Um, but what I was really
2: scared about the food. Like, what was the food going to be like over mm-hmm. in
0: Europe? I thought it was f- incredible.
2: It's good. It's all right. You know, the stereotypically the English and the English have like the worst food and
0: stereotypically.
2: Yeah. Stereotypically. And uh, a lot of times it's, you know, it's, it's really rich and um, it's like bar food. That's all they eat. You know, if you, <laughs> if you eat like regular English person's diet, I'd understand why they would say it's not good because it's just kind of bland and you know, could be, it can be gross. You know, if you don't like blood pudding, like, Oh God, blood pudding. Yeah. <laughs> That's down. That's made from blood. Like <laughs> that was that was slid in front of me, and I was slid it right back. Yeah. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every place you go is going to have the the good food, and when you go over there as a tourist or a visitor, you're going to be exposed to the good food because you're not shopping and cooking at your house, and you're not eating the normal food that a person there eats. But yeah, I thought the Irish food was good, man. I had a great time.
0: I was just blown away because I was like, oh, it's just going to be potatoes and like an herb. Yeah, and I it was like the best steak meat. I ever had. It was like all the best food. Like even their even their quote unquote fast food places, the food's really good.
2: <laughs> and like and a lot of them are they're high. They have a higher standard of regulation as well when it comes to things yeah. Like we fast need to food. do that. Yeah, I don't hey. know why we're not doing that here? Because it's expensive. Or, so hey, I'm all for it. I'd rather I'd rather force people to eat better. Yeah, totally. Pay for it. Yeah, you guys save money in healthcare in the long run, right?
1: No shit. Absolutely. So, uh, so let's talk about the holiday show. Uh, you guys uh, you guys have been doing this what is this the 5th
2: year? This now? is the 5th year.
1: That's awesome. Oh, yeah. So uh how did, how did the uh idea first come for uh first come about for the uh, holiday show?
2: Uh it was right around the time where us and Tiger's John were sinking started to gain more national recognition and um Excuse me. And a lot of us didn't live in the same we a lot of us had moved away. So it was a homecoming. We thought, hey, let's have this giant party at the Kaiser Valley Community Center. And we did. And it was awesome. And then the next year, we kind of uh, didn't organize it. I didn't organize it on, on, on time. We kind of put together at the last minute. And uh, it's still one, it was a lot of fun. And then, you know, every year it's just gotten exponi- uh it's grown in itself. But yeah, the first, the first year, definitely the idea was, and it was kind of, it was, I mean, I'll be honest with you, it was dodgy the first year. We kind of just, <laughs> we just got a couple kegs and like put up picnic tables and we we're like, okay, if you're not 21, you can't come over here. And we just,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah. Crossed your fingers, hope for the best. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, we had people, we had like, you know, our friends who worked at venues in Philly come up and it definitely was not, and we didn't know any better. I didn't know that, you know, t- 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 I wasn't as familiar with the. um law the laws so, yeah i wasn't as familiar with uh insurance and event yeah. insurance and things like that and all nobody the things ever, that no trust me
0: man nobody usually thinks about that stuff yeah
2: i mean i know now very well i didn't <laughs> thank god i didn't have to learn from any mistakes i just right. had to learn um uh, but it was really good it was like the kind of like the last ridiculous hurrah that we had that was just totally irresponsible <laughs> but we had a lot of fun you know
1: it's good and it's it's grown in terms of uh, venue every year too. You know now you guys are at the cultural center, which is is huge. You know, yeah. I, and I remember seeing some great shows there. And it it seems like they haven't had a lot of concerts there mm-hmm. uh, lately, unless that you know it's something maybe touring through the area or something. Just regular like homegrown shows. You haven't seen anything there in a long time. They used to be the basement shows that were a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, so it's nice to be in, in that, that kind of room. I mean, that, that room is huge.
2: Yeah. Oh my God. It's, it's really big. Um, the room's huge and the, the Scranton Cultural Center have been a huge partner, a huge help in this. They've, uh, given us a, an amazing deal on the room. They've been very, very helpful and they're really excited about helping us raise money for the, the cause and helping us, um, facilitate a coming together of the people who are into this music at a, at a venue like theirs, you know, it's not like you said, they haven't been having that many concerts and they could just go the other route and have uh well, not necessarily go the other route, but they could just, you know, do for profit kind of run everything and go, but they really are, have been a great partner and a huge help and they definitely believe in the same things that we believe in. And it's been, it's been, it's been a little bit inspiring to hear what they have to say about it. It's cool. Can you talk about the, what, what the money's going to? Oh yeah. It's going to, uh, two arts and music, uh, programs for, the youth in Northeastern Pennsylvania. One of them is the arts alive program, which goes on during the summer and takes kids. I don't remember what the age range is exactly. So I don't want to say it. Um, But yeah, we put a a couple of students each year through with the money from the holiday show. And also there's another youth uh, arts and music program over the summer at this grant cultural center that we're also donating the money to. And, uh, that for us, a lot of our friends, um, none of us in the actual band, I think, went to Arts Alive, but a lot of our friends and a lot of the people from the other bands, that was where they got a start getting an actual grasp on arts and music and and how it applies to them and the what they can do professionally or uh, scholarly. So you start to build a portfolio and you learn from professionals and it gives you something really positive to do over the summer and, you know. Definitely makes them, you know, really builds up your uh, sense of self-worth and sharpen your skills. And I think it's a really positive thing to try to help foster that in this area because it's where we all came from, where we all got it. It kind of, you know, if nobody does it, then it's just going to go away. And a lot of times the first time, first thing that gets cut when you're doing budget cuts is arts and music programs. Because it just seems like it's not important, you know.
1: Right. So uh in in terms of the uh the the lineup, uh can you talk about the, the bands that are that are on there? I mean obviously some of the ones that have been there from the beginning are on there. And then we also have uh the the, the second reunion of the swims, which yep. is pretty awesome. That's <laughs> really cool.
2: I we grew up going to the swim shows and it was they're one of the most inspiring bands. They're so much fun, they're so awesome. We're really stoked to have them back again. I think they're I don't all right, I'm not gonna give anything away. I was about to give away something about them, but I don't think they uh they they're that going it's a to secret. be there they all right they're, they're, they're going to be there <laughs> but yeah every uh every band even since the last one we've had has grown um, three man cannon signed dude another a new record label and released a record this year that is very mature for them it's so awesome it's a uh, uh it's more of a an indie rock record and it's you know they've really really grown and come into themselves and it's really really exciting for them um pedal is a newer band and they've signed to run for cover recently and just put out a record. It's, a, it's awesome. It's getting really good critical reception. And then you have Captain We're sinking and Tiger's Jaw and us who are all just doing the same thing we've been doing and trying to tour and tour. It was really funny. Uh, over the fall, while we were doing our uh, headline tour, our co-headline tour with Me Without You, Tiger's Jaw were a couple days behind us the entire time on the West Coast. So it was like, oh, we're be like hitting Ben up. Hey, man, where are you? He's like, oh, I'm going to be there in two days. You know, it was really funny. And That happens a lot when you're on tour. But... So, uh, do,
1: do you have uh, anything special planned for this tour or for this show in particular?
2: Um, we're going to play some old songs that we normally don't play. I think that would be the most special thing. Nothing nothing too far beyond that. We're kinda, it's, our, it's our last uh, full band show of the year, and it's our last full band show for a while. And we're really kind of, it's going to feel really good. So, I think that we're going to have just as much or more fun than everybody else because we're kind of, it's like uh, not really much pressure. We're like, okay, we can just have fun with our friends and our family and kind of get this done. Try to go out on top. Yeah, try to go out. Well, yeah, we'll go out on top. Knock on wood somewhere. Yeah, (laughs) it'll work.
0: How's that? I've I've brain farted. I'm sorry.
2: (laughs) Sometimes I'll do that in the middle while I'm answering an interview question and realize I'm talking about something that had nothing to do with the person asked me. I'm just like, shit, I got to make something up. All right, go. And then, yeah.
0: And that's how I found the French fries in the back of the van. You
2: know, we ate them. Yeah, and then uh, we went (laughs) to the hospital. We ate them. Yeah, I'm sure something similar to that has happened in the past.
1: Well, you you asked this to to Bobby last time, so I'm going to ask him this because I, I thought it was his answer was pretty funny.
0: Uh, worst- I asked a, I asked a question that you are repeating. <laughs> yes.
2: Holy shit. Yes. Worst or most ridiculous show that you've ever done? Oh man, there's like so many there's- parameters to that that I can't even <laughs> pick one. You yeah, know, there's so many fucking weird things that we've done. What's um, what's they, like like I, what right, stands out like
0: weirdest, and then what stands out like absolute. Abject horror, awful.
2: <laughs> uh, well, the abject horror, awful ones are always going to involve something that's like, okay, right. I just found out this person died and I had to play, or I just, uh, uh, okay, I'm, I have the, you know, I have the flu and I gotta play that kind of shit. Right. But um, the, the most ridiculous show I can think of would be we played with the Holy Mess our friends from the Poconos, actually, who also live in Philly. They, we played, we went. On, it was our first tour. Uh, I was with them down to Florida to play the fest and back up. We were playing in Birmingham, Alabama at an art space. So like a modern art kind of space where people just had, did whatever. There was, you know, weird, indiscernible things hanging up all over the walls and stuff like that. And a lady comes, shows up and she's like, yeah, I'm running the show. And she's like seven or eight months pregnant for sure. She's you know, this skinny (laughs) southern lady with these giant boots on just owning it. And she's like, any y'all got a cigarette? And we were like... I guess I don't know. (laughs) You know, like I'm pretty sure you're not supposed. You know, nobody said anything, and you know, sure enough, she's just you know raging down smokes all night, and she's like, "I can't pay you, but here's keg." So she brings a keg. What? And then Dixie cups. So they gave everybody four ounce Dixie cups. So everybody was drinking uh, like it was just kind of a joke. Everybody's like taking shots of beer on the keg and trying to find <laughs> other things that you can use as a cup. Steve O from the Holy Mess is one of the uh, the strongest and uh, uh, characters and personalities I've ever met. One of the coolest people. Found some kind of goofy vase thing. We're just filling that up with beer. And sure enough, as the night goes on, we start realizing, yo, she's she's getting drunk, isn't she? So so by the end of the night, you have this lady. She's hammered. Smoking cigarettes so we don't get paid or playing in an art space in, in Birmingham, Alabama. And then, you know, we went and slept somewhere. <laughs> and
0: then two hours later, the baby was born. And then two hours later, the baby was born <laughs> drunk
2: and uh, nicotine- uh, whatever.
0: They named him Camel Non-Filter.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the whole vibe of that night was just really funny. One of the bands canceled. Another band came and had a drum machine, and it was like wasn't working. And they were used to playing much bigger shows, so they were really upset. And we were all just kind of like, "Hey, where's our first tour?" And you know, some of us aren't twenty one, so let's have a blast. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: you got to go. I got to go. What's what's the future? besides the album are you guys gonna go on tour next year or
2: oh yeah we'll do lots of touring next year we're gonna um we're working on the album now so we're trying to figure it out we're not sure exactly we have nothing set in stone for next year right now which is rare usually we're ready to go um months in advance we booked as we had the, the me without you tour booked in like april or something ridiculous like that so it's kind of weird that our future is just that open but it's kind of welcoming and i'm gonna be home right now for the, the longest time i've been home in a, in a while so Really looking forward to that. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. This is a blast. Yeah, absolutely. I what Appreciate could, it.
0: Come back in town. Do it again.
2: Yeah, definitely will. Maybe we'll bring. Maybe get the other guys to come too. It'd be yeah, awesome. Absolutely. Well, can they drink? Oh, they can drink. Yeah. <laughs> so then we'll just get we'll get more breakfast beer. I'll have to bring more than a six pack <laughs> yeah oh yeah or or we won't we'll just <laughs> we'll bring a six pack there you go what
0: time's, yeah. the, what time's the show and what's the, the yes please the ticket
2: prices sh- uh, the ticket price is $20 advance and $25 a day of the show uh, it is Saturday December 19th and it starts at 5 o'clock
0: and all and all proceeds benefit
2: all proceeds benefit uh, youth and uh, sorry youth music and arts programs in Northeastern Pennsylvania
1: and I know a lot of this. The the same people come and support the holiday
2: show year after year after year. Uh, what if you've never gone to the holiday show before? Why should people go? Why should people see this? So you can meet a bunch of other people from the area that are into the same thing as you. You can meet a bunch of friends, start to help you know build a scene, and and it's gonna be fun. And uh, there's gonna be beer there too. So oh, that's is that when s- Oh yeah, they do serve. Yeah, they
0: My sister had her wedding there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> unless you're not 21 then you absolutely 100% cannot drink no and uh, how many people expect you expect if you drink uh, I don't know we'll see right now there's I think 750 tickets sold so they're going fast so you gotta get them yeah last year was packed
0: wasn't it at the hundred. Yeah. yeah last year was great dude thank you so much
2: hey thanks for having me
0: and you absolutely. can finish all your beer I have to <laughs> <laughs> oh I will have a Merry Christmas, man. Tell all the guys too and everybody. Absolutely.
2: Thank you. Have you guys an awesome too. time. And I'll tell my mom. Oh, you have to. I'm so excited. I think she works with my mom now. My mom's a teacher at Western. Oh, really? There. Yeah. Want a FaceTime her? <laughs> no. Wait, what time is it? Ten. No, not your mom. My mom. Oh no. I can't. We'll do a selfie then. Uh yeah,
0: absolutely. All right, For cool. Sure. Thank you so much. Anything else? Nope. Oh, that's it. Uh have a good night, everybody. Hey, good night. See you dude.